0: This is Brian Gitt. My name is Patrick Moore. This is Dr. William Mackis.
1: This is Bruce Pardee. This is Tom Olongo. This is Steve Barber, and you're listening to the Sean Newman Podcast.
2: Welcome to the podcast, folks. Welcome to the podcast, folks. I love this no uh, screw up thing, you know, like it's just like. Hold on for the first five minutes of this sucker, folks. We're gonna we're gonna roll with it and see how many times Sean screws up. Either way, uh, I started the carnivore diet uh, over the weekend, just for a week. We we decided we you know after Sean Baker, we're like you know what, let's try this thing out. Let's just see what happens. So day four right now. And at times I feel like I have more energy than I've ever had. And at other times I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. So we'll wait to see how this all plays out over the course of another few days or if I extend it. But uh, that's been one of the the interesting uh, uh, developments on this side of thing. Um, uh, things. I've also been uh, reaching out to some different people uh, out in Ottawa. So hopefully here as we move along, we're going to have a few more people coming on to talk about the inquiry happening on the Emergencies Act. And I, I want to keep you guys up to date on that. I think it's hugely important i'll put the link again in the show notes so if you're wanting to go watch some of it it's every weekday minus holidays i believe i think there's only uh, november 11th if memory serves me correct uh that's going to be where there's nothing going on but either way uh you can watch it's all live streamed you can watch the the recordings of every single day uh they're quite long they're anywhere from you know eight nine hours that type of thing but it is fascinating i think uh it's important for people to pay attention to that as as testimonies continue to come out and more of the story is kind of unveiled. Either way, let's get to today's uh, sponsors, um, Blaine and Joey Steffen, Guardian Plumbing and Heating, uh, 2021 Lloyd Minster Chamber of Commerce Business of the Year. You know, I've been bugging them. Uh, a, I don't know if that was last Wednesday or Wednesday before they, you know, I, I said, I, you know, I'm looking for something <clears throat> like a generator, that type of thing to, uh, you know, Essentially, if the power goes out, I want to make sure I still have heat in my house. I mean, geez, we live in this cold place. And so they're like, oh, we got some options for you. And then they, they, you know, um, I I laughed, not ghosted me, but uh, I think Joey was off uh, on uh, some different adventures. And finally, he came over today and laid out uh, essentially this this interesting plan. and now we're in discussion about it because obviously, you know, it's money involved in that type of thing, but uh that would get you off the grid if you wanted and it didn't include solar panels or anything like that. So, if you're interested in in some creative ideas uh that can help alleviate maybe some of your power bills, that type of thing, uh, maybe guardianplumbing.ca is where you should, uh, go check out. You can schedule your next appointment anytime from there, and you can certainly find out some of the cool and, uh, unique things they're, they're, uh, they're talking about and building for people in the area. And I think, uh, you guys would, uh, enjoy that. Deer and steer butchery, the old Norman and Kathy James family built butcher shop on the north side of highway 16 and range road 25, um, it's been used for local, from by local hunters around the area for custom wrapping and uh, custom cutting and wrapping. That is for years, and of course got a facelift, and they they've been in business now for over a year, and uh, they're looking for uh, well a butcher, right? They they got uh, they got some open spots available. They're looking to see if anyone out there across this great nation is looking for an opportunity and uh, can um, you know take a. Take a shot at uh, cutting meat for a living and and, and go into a, an art form. You know, as I saw firsthand when I went and experienced it. If uh, you know, there's business to be had there. And if you're if you're uh, a hunter right now, or somebody just wants a you know a, a beef uh, cut up, uh, give them a call. They're they're open for business. Seven eight zero eight seven zero eighty seven. 100. Um Agland Agland back uh, we'll go back to 1957 a little history here they were an equipment dealer with a staff of 6 today 60 plus years later they got a, um uh three locations Lloydminster Vermilion and St. Paul with a staff over 130 they sell and service John Deere brandt uh, Brant, Brent, Bobcat, Dangleman, and AA Trailers. If you need more info, go to eggland.ca. And Three Trees, of course, uh, if you're, uh, out for an evening with, uh, the missus or mister, uh, make sure you call and book a reservation, 780-874-7625. They've been having, uh, check out their social media. They've been having different, um, uh, solo acts, uh, Perform, I guess. I don't know why that's such a difficult sentence to get out, but uh, they've had, uh, you know, kind of a, an acoustic unplugged nights uh, happening there more often. So, some live music, which I think would be uh, a pretty fun evening anytime you get in the presence of some live music. That's, uh, it's, well, it's quite enjoyable. Uh, finally, Gartner Management is a Lloyd Minster based company specializing in all types of rental properties to help meet your needs, whether you're looking for a small office or something, you know, that can house multiple employees. Wade Gartner can get you hooked up. 780 808. 5025. Now let's get on that tail of the tape brought to you by Hancock Petroleum. For the past 80 years, they've been an industry leader in bulk fuels, lubricants, methanol, and chemicals delivering to your farm, commercial, oil field location. For more information, visit them at hancockpetroleum.ca. Both were members of the Calgary Fire Department. One was a captain, the other a lieutenant. I'm talking about Steve DeBaugh and Chris Andrew. So buckle up. Here we go.
0: This is Chris Andrew. This is Stephen Debaugh and you're listening to Sean Newman Podcast.
2: Hey, welcome to the Sean Newman Podcast. Today I'm joined by Steve DeBaugh and Chris Andrew. So boys, thanks for uh, doing this in such a scenic spot here in Calgary.
1: Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks
2: a lot, Sean. Um, now i i was saying to you steve when we when we first shook hands um you're both firefighters and and you got uh, a story to tell so i'll start with you but you guys play off each other i'm i'm here to to hear part of it and certainly let the listener uh get a feel for both of you um let's just start maybe with steve a little bit of your background we'll flip over to chris and then you can both hop in on the story and we'll see where it takes us
0: yeah i was a firefighter with city calgary for 20 years, Sean. I guess where this kind of why we're doing this podcast is to help people understand the effects of what's happened with the mandates um, here in Calgary and Alberta and the country. Um, we, were faced, we were mandated back in September to take this um, medical experimental injection. And uh, at the time, like I knew, we'd already been going to calls where we'd been seeing things that didn't make sense. We we're asking these questions. Um, have you recently received a COVID-19 injection? And the answers were always 100% yes. We knew that this was anything but safe and effective. Um, why our job would push this for us to take, we still don't know and still don't understand, even though it's uh, since been suspended in March, um, but not completely lifted. We've, when I came back from a fire injury in December, I was mandated. And at that point, I had to make the decision if I was gonna take the injection or, or have to resign from the fire department. Um, I could have gone on unpaid leave, but according to the Supreme Court of Canada, it's the same thing as being fired. So um, I tried to resign. Uh, was My resignation was rejected by the deputy chiefs. and I had to go through uh, Calgary HR management to actually have it, uh, um, them, accept my resignation with the fire department. Um I was put on unpaid leave until I would adhere to the mandate, so they left me with no choice and I had to resign under duress.
2: Um maybe could you give for the listener a little bit too of your of your personal backstory? I, I uh I maybe should have started there. You know, sure. who is Steve that leads him to this point of, you know, um you got a beautiful young family and, and everything else, like uh maybe give the listener a little bit of your 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 story away from uh even being a firefighter
0: yeah sure i'm a husband i got uh four kids four troublemaking kids <laughs> uh 15 13 10 a trouble-making <laughs> father
2: <laughs>
0: yeah that's true i i seem to i don't go looking for trouble it seems to find me <laughs> right. so, yeah i'm one of those guys for sure an odd thomas um yeah i also got a beautiful two-year-old who uh surprised us in right before COVID all happened kind of thing and uh, it was a nice surprise that, um, at the same time we were terrified when we first found out being like now I'm 45 <laughs> but <laughs> happy that it happened um, and so yeah I, uh, when I resigned it was, I was a captain I'd been an officer at the Calgary Fire Department for acting in that position for about nine years um, lieutenant and captain uh, acting the captain role for about uh well f- four years before I was made for a year and then faced to resign so yeah um, for myself I when all these lockdowns started happening um, we were still going to work that was 2020 um, nobody else was with the fire department and emergency services and it was a weird feeling we're um, going to work there's nobody on the road it was uh, you know in a city of 1.2 five million people um to be seeing no other vehicles driving across town was eerie Eerie, yeah Yeah. and so um we were taking all the precautions in the beginning um a lot of us were told that we were going to get sick and possibly die from this and everybody was still coming to work um we were told to put on these blue suits that were supposedly protect us from a virus it was a class three suit but it wasn't pressurized it didn't make any sense and uh the social distancing didn't make any sense. The N95s didn't make any sense. Nothing was adding up. Like we know how to um, use PPE and uh, this is this isn't what we were trained to do. Um, we know that none of these measures protected us from a virus. And so right away, bells started going off and you know, two weeks pass. You don't see anybody dying from COVID-19. You hear about a lot of people going to the hospital and whatnot. Um, four weeks pass, going to the hospitals, actually now that I think about it, they were pretty empty at the time. Um, nobody was going to the hospitals because everybody was staying home. Um, nobody's getting sick. Nobody's Nobody that I knew of was getting sick or dying. Um, so now all of a sudden, we're really starting to ask questions. Why are we being locked down?
2: Chris Hoppin. Um for the for the for the uh audience who are you a little bit of your backstory firefighter uh however you want to mesh it together just so they get a feel first
1: off i'm chris andrew and most importantly i'm a husband and a father to two grown semi-adult children uh that's everything i do in my life is is for my family and and my kids um through this whole COVID thing, I had lots of time to sit back and kind of dissect what the narrative was given to us and trying to pick apart. I'm a very factual guy. All I want is the facts, not the bias, not the swing or, you know, any talking head. So the more and more I investigated, you know, through my own means and, and avenues rather than just relying on the mainstream media, I realized that I don't think that this shot, Is what they're saying it's to be and the more and more I looked into it the more and more I got concerned about it so that ties me into my my work situation Um, I started developing heart palpitations PVCs I lost over 35 pounds of weight uh, sleepless nights just my body was screwed up so I was I was actually off work sick for a while and that's when my headache started with the insurance company, Homewood Health, that's the insurance provider for the, the fire department. Um, I submitted a letter from my doctor. Um, and my doctor agreed that, yeah, with, with your symptoms, you shouldn't be going to work right now. You're, you're not fit to be a firefighter. But unfortunately, in his letter, he put, and this could be due to the COVID concerns. So that sentence kind of put a, a nail in my coffin, unfortunately.
2: How, how so?
1: Well, Homewood Health came back and said, you can't use stress as an excuse to not be at work. Everybody is stressed in the world right now. Literally, that was the words that this lady said to me. So you need to get back to work. So I went back to my doctor, got another note, You know, him retracting his COVID statement. Uh, I also went to my psychologist that I'd been seeing for some time. I got a letter from her. They both agreed that I was diagnosed with, oh shoot, what was it now? I was diagnosed. Anyway, so they said uh, (laughs) uh, generalized anxiety disorder. There we go, GAD. So they both agreed that yes, with my heart palpitations and things like that, that I shouldn't be an active firefighter until we figure out what's going on. Homewood Health on their second appeal said, nope, we're standing by our first decision. A third appeal with new letters from doctors and psychologists and they said nope back to work if you're not back to work on Friday you're going to be fired so on March 27th no I was strike that uh, September 27th of last year I came to the decision that I either have to quit and and force this you know through the back door when I'm off the job or I'm going to have to get fired I didn't want the stain of being fired because in a way they won that they could just push me out. So like Steve and many other guys, I, I resigned under duress. And a year's gone past now and we're fighting this.
2: So bring the listener then up to, to where the story is today. Uh, um, very interesting sides of the coin on how you guys get to where you are today. What what, what should the listener know up until now then like where are you sitting now
0: yeah so as soon as i resigned under duress i obviously um was angry um at the whole situation of how you give 20 years like arguably 20 years of the the best part of your life right you're i was 24 when i got on 44 when i had to leave um to i've out a position where i'm making the top top wage right for yeah. w- my position and i trained hard to get there and uh, thought it was as good as anyone and learned from the best. And I thought I had a lot left to give to the job and to the city of Calgary. Um, so I, I went seeking justice, legal justice. And uh, I thought that was the right avenue because as far as the um, Charter of Rights and Freedoms, as well as the Bill of Rights goes, like uh, our human rights were violated. Um, we were put in a dangerous situation due to criminal neg- neglect or possibly criminal intent um, by our administration in the city of Calgary. So we hired... Um, well, I went looking for the lawyers, and I talked to a few.
2: How, how was that? I, I, it's I, hard. I, <laughs> I, I, oh, yeah. In my world, uh, I talked to a couple different lawyers in my previous life, and I found that none of them wanted to touch anything. Yes. Or, or
1: they're so backed up and busy. Or that too,
2: yeah.
0: So... <laughs> It's kinda of funny. Back I'll backtrack a few months. From I'm gonna it.
2: I'm gonna pop in as as we got a plane flying over. So to the sure. listener you're you're going, Huh, I wonder where they're at. Well we're sitting <laughs> in a park in Calgary doing this. So you're gonna hear a little background noise, uh, which is a little uncommon usually in the shotnuma podcast world, but uh, I kind of chuckle because I can hear it picking up, and maybe the listener hears it as well. Either way, sorry it's to interrupt. It's too nice of a day to be inside. Oh, 100%. I, I think the you, you got to enjoy this while we we got it here. I hate saying the word winter, but we all know it's coming sooner than later now.
0: Yeah, back to what I was saying. So three months prior to um, resigning, uh, again, I was off due to fire injury. Um, the mandate came out September, uh, first week of September. I think it was yeah. the 7th or maybe the 4th. I can't so remember. remember. I um, you know, it was actually the 7th where we had gathered together as a group uh, of firefighters at our memorial in silent protest of, of the mandates, and um, it was a pretty touching moment. I um, felt like there was uh, something very special happening that day, and to be honest, it was one of the proudest days I had as a firefighter, because I knew we were standing up against not just a mandate, but something, some other kind of evil thing that was coming into our society. It was very reverent. It was yeah there was very there, respectful
2: and it was more than just firefighters right
0: there I, there was some uh police officers
1: as well as
0: ems but the majority of it
1: was,
2: was Calgary fire- firefighters yeah. yeah
1: yeah that's right yeah and then after that they decided to barricade our fallen firefighter memorial with these orange barricades for almost a year just for their political games and pandering their side to make us look like the violent you know scofflaws that were going to come and desecrate this monument where they don't realize that that monument meant so much for us. And those are the people that put their lives in the lines and didn't get to go home and see their families. And then they branded us as terrorists. And that just stung me for a whole year that they had those barricades up. It's, it was filthy the way they were using their political agenda to make us look like terrorists and bad guys. It's eye opening, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. How the narrative changed. Our chief, uh, came out, or
0: fire chief Donsworth came out The the, um, next day with some pretty disgusting remarks about us and um was trying to humiliate us but i think
2: how s- how, how so when you say humiliate that's a
0: <laughs> yeah so i'm basically saying that we weren't his firefighters and that um we didn't represent the core values the of the core department. values of the department as well as that most firefighters or 95 percent of the firefighters are good pe- upstanding citizens referring that we weren't <laughs> because we're
1: standing up for our rights and, and one rights. of our values is the respect and then when management can turn around and give us such disrespect it's it's that political double talk you know we're here for your core values of the pride professionalism respect but we don't respect you because you're not one of us so it's they're talking out of both sides of their mouth and to say the least like i think his
0: remarks as well as um some of uh, the media release that was going on there, it, uh, I think it worked to the whole um, awakening of people that wanted the truth, because that protest went around the world three times, as far as other departments doing it, um, other, uh, healthcare workers in, in Europe, uh, stewardesses in Italy, um, Toronto firefighters. And a lot of these people were holding up signs saying, we stand with Calgary firefighters, right? So to me, it was really cool. Um, I thought it was uh, an important thing to do.
2: Well, I remember, you know, talking with you and your wife this morning, Steve, when I first arrived. You know, you got to remind yourself of some of the things everybody went through. Because uh, you kind of almost compartmentalize some of it, right? Like, I, you know, mm-hmm. like, it's funny, you, you want it acknowledged. And at times, you just want to forget about it and move on with life. Yeah. But uh, some of the things that went on through uh, that period of time, anything that inspired hope was really like applauded. Uh, I use the word applaud. I think that's the right one mm-hmm. because not, it wasn't happening every day, right? Like, so when the Calgary firefighters stepped up, uh, that gave uh, courage for another group to step up and realize there's people over there doing it. We got we got to put the, you know, we got to light the fire, so to speak here. So people understand that. There's people here that think like that too. And that's what we've tried to
1: do with these different interviews and podcasts is to show people that there are people that will stand up and fight for this and to say, no, our freedom of rights and charters were trampled on. And if we don't have them in the worst of times, what good are they? Because that's when we need to rely on those to fall back. So if the times are so tough that they strip those away from us, we may as well get rid of our charter of rights because then it's useless. It's just, you know... Yeah, Lipstick know, on a pig that does nothing.
2: I know a lot of people who've moved to this country for that document, right? And mm-hmm. and, and then, well, I mean, and then the last two years happened. You're like, so what is it, right? Like, yeah. is it just, you know, a nice cover? That's, that's it? Because mm-hmm. it didn't mean a whole hell of a lot for two years or for a solid year and a half anyways. Yeah.
1: until the political or the ruling agenda start to get its greasy fingers in there and realize that they can manipulate our systems. So that's where I decided to stand up as a man and say my growing family, I'd hate to see my kids have these rights stripped or my grandkids to, to have even worse atrocities happen to them because the stones just crumbled away piece by piece. So it was time to make a stand. And and thankfully I had the full support of my wife and my kids, my family. It's, it's great when you've got that connection
2: that foundation uh, well and i i've talked a lot about this that uh that's what it was in my mind that's what uh, whether it was um an insidious intention in that they were trying to attack it or if it was just an offshoot of what happened was the family bond was was attacked like mm-hmm. it, this seeped to the strongest family it tested every single family yep. in our society across probably the world you might argue yep. and uh you know i I kind of, you know, the the Italy prime minister, I can't, uh, Georgia, uh, I'm forgetting her first uh, name. The and new one, yeah. The new one. Mm-hmm. What she said was basically, I'm like, yeah, and everything that she talked about got attacked through the last two years. Yeah. Now, whether that's an in insidious intention, like the worst of, or if it was an offshoot of just, you know, that's what came of, you know, repercussions of what they yeah. did and tried. Either way, it's like. What You're talking about, Chris, is 100%. There's a lot of people that uh, have have divorced or aren't yep. talking to family, or yep. and and I, I you that's know, tough. I,
1: I have, you know, my parents, I've had a, a very rocky relationship for the last couple of years because of this. You know, they kind of think I'm maybe pushing on the wrong path. Um, my wife and I went through some hard times early this spring, just the stresses of the world, yeah. and you know, no, no job, and and you know it was tough for a few months there but you know we pulled through and that's all we can do as family units is just be there when everybody's struggling
2: yeah and has it changed for either of you a little bit with the opening you know arrive cam being pulled and and you know and you know one of the things early on now i go back to peter mccullough when i first had mm-hmm. him on and he's saying you know he's saying something crazy at the time of you know like the vaccine isn't going to work yeah. And, a, and and the, the shitstorm that created was a little bit wild. Yeah. But now, I mean, there's lots of people that have had their third shot, their fourth shot. Hell, I've met one with their fifth and, and, yeah. and to everybody their own.
1: And that's that's what I'm totally after is everybody should have their own choice. Right. I don't want to. Fine. Leave but me But the alone. longer
2: it goes, the people that were so adamant against what Peter McKellen was saying, for instance pretty hard not to look around and see that a bunch of people have gotten COVID yeah. multiple times.
1: It's kind of like that meme out there, that what's the difference between conspiracy theory and fact? About Three months. six months. Yeah, yeah. six months, <laughs> that's
2: right. Have you, have you had anything like that, either of you, with family, friends, colleagues, where it started to slowly shift over the last, you know, six months?
0: Um, as far as, like, you, I guess I see a gift in it all. Like, I mean, um, you, you, this kind of put people to the test where you saw a lot of people's true colors of how they would act um after b- being put under such a fearful state for two years yeah um and i think the blessing in it all is you, you know who will be there for you and who won't be in hard times right and that's the way i see it like um, me and my wife have a hard time going into places that wouldn't allow us in during the vaccination mandates um i have a hard time wanting to support those businesses it's not that you don't forgive it's just that um it's it's a lot you still there it's a lot. They gave, like, when you go through the pain of it, you're the one who remembers it. But if they didn't have to endure that suffering, it's easier for them to forget, especially if they caused that pain. Maybe, maybe it's hard for them to look at it.
2: Yeah, or maybe they don't think, like, they did anything wrong, you know? They yeah. followed the rules, and we got through it, and we're all a team. And, yeah. they, you know, I, I, at times I think a lot of people don't realize what uh, some people went through, right? Don't yeah. have any idea.
0: And I think that's the thing is people believe that we're through it. But the reality of it is this um, disease, this COVID-19 infection, was 99.5% survivable. So why do we need to all be vaccinated with an experimental drug Drug that I understand was only trialed on eight mice? Like there was very little. Um, and, I mean, I, I was listening to Peter McCullough and Ryan Cole from the beginning. There's a lot of uh, Dr. Alexander, who I think you've had yep. on your podcast yep. as well. A lot of people were blowing the lid off this thing right from the beginning from the time of the lockdowns and they were being cancelled right away and like terrible threats of losing licenses and stuff. And these guys were supposed to be the leading docs, so it's another thing that's hitting the light bulb in my head. Shutting what's going down on the science? What's going on here, right? The only science that we're talking about now is political science that's proven that this thing's safe and effective, right?
2: Well I think uh on my side of things, um, seeing the media bias you know, not willing to give a bit of a voice to the other side. Jeez, mm-hmm. the Sean Newman podcast—if if it's done anything at this point—is it's given a voice to the people that nobody wants to talk to because they—they think they're too toxic or too extreme or whatever. And certainly, there, I, I won't—I won't argue with a—with a few of the guests. Maybe they are a little extreme and and everything else. But overall, it's because media doesn't want that side of the story told. I mean, geez, we've seen it over. Like, it's just so evident to me at this point. What I didn't understand is how, you know, the liberal government, and I, I use that loosely because you can go back in time and, and see how the conservative government mm-hmm. has done similar things. So it's not just the liberals, it's liberals right now because they're right. in. Yep. Or it was Jason Kenney, you know, as we sit here and record this, folks, it's it's uh, October 6th, and I, I can't think off the top of my brain when it gets released. So, you know, by the time it's released, we got a new premier. But, I mean, Jason Kenney and the way he handled Alberta Scott mm-hmm. Moe in Saskatchewan and the list goes on how they controlled or were controlled. I like at this point, I have no idea, but the lockstep of politics, media, the health services is wild, yeah. right? How they just didn't want, you know, if we follow this train of thought, we all go down this cow path, we're going to get to salvation. Yeah. Instead it, it was the, the butcher shop at the end, you know, and, and it wasn't, a, it wasn't a good path to be going yeah. down and everybody's asking questions, but no one, Bill I, get back in line. I've you know? always said to,
1: to people, you know, the, it's not a liberal conservative party. You know, those are the lines that are being drawn in the sand now. But politicians got us into this. So to hang our hook and think the politicians are going to get us out of this. It's lunacy. It's the, the definition of insanity. It's we're, we're never going to fix this system with the political structure that we have now, because sure, there may be a, a shining light every once in a while, but still it's a toxic, corrupted system. And I hope more and more people are re- realizing, waking up to, that our politics is just, just a, a separate branch of the elite.
2: So what would you do different? I hear a lot of this. Um, do you have any ideas to, to, or not, I don't know, solutions that maybe? Because one of the things that uh, my brain always goes to when I'm like, our current system isn't working as is I just think, burn. well, I hear people talking about burn it down. And I'm like, oh, that's chaos. Yeah. And I don't know what comes out of that. It could be something <laughs> yeah. much worse, right? So is there, have you had any thoughts, Chris, you well, know, I, in your ponderings on that?
1: I always have seen myself, you know, in the political aspect as kind of a peaceful anarchist. It's uh, those are kind of two contradictory terms, yeah. but really in this day and age to just rely blindless, or blind faith into our political system And just hope that, oh, a politician is going to make this right. Well, no. So, yeah, we need some kind of new system. And hopefully the younger generations, you know, me being a a Gen Xer, we were raised to be angry and mad at the system. You know, rage against the machine. (laughs) So I look at my kids and, you know, their kids and all that kind of stuff. And those are the ones that have to come up with these ideas, brave new thoughts and thinking, okay, how can we change this? Because right now we're we're stuck in a rut the people that should be fixing this we're just being mad so hopefully by us standing up and saying there are a few shining stars or lights out there that will stand up to the man if you want to say but it's it's the younger ones they they need to to help us i think like for myself
0: um what got us into this mess is people getting letting uh fear take the better of them um and then fear of losing um fear of getting sick fear of losing your job fear of uh um dying and i think people really have to overcome fear and uh look out for one another i think that's the gist of it if you if you break that down into like your family your community um where you live we can kind of almost govern ourselves if we're looking out for one of each other i think that's how this country started right when people were coming here to settle lands and they worked in communities and took looked out for each other and i think that's kind of the thought i would say getting back to it uh yeah we we don't want to forget what happened but i think uh yeah we have to kind of um maybe not think so much about ourselves but look out for each other
2: Well, where does this lead you guys to, to today? I, I First off, I guess I should say, I love the thought, right? I think one of the things that's spurred out of this, if there's any, like there's lots of positive things that have come out in the last two years. They're just, you know, not talked about maybe enough or maybe we're just starting to realize them. Tighter communities, it forced us all into these no. uh, tighter communities. It's, it's forcing, I think... Uh, uh, destabilizing issues within not only our government. I mean, geez, look at it tonight. We're going to have an election, and, and the front-runner right now is running on basically a lot of what we want, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And it'll be interesting to see, you know. this uh, By the time this comes out, I apologize, listeners. It, who knows? Maybe it won't go that way. Maybe it'll go a different way. But uh, even by Danielle Smith talking the way she has, it's already influenced Saskatchewan, Alberta politics, uh, Manitoba, etc. cetera. Um, so, you know, and I, I got a guy reaching out here this coming week by the time this is released about a barter system and all these different things, right? Mm -hmm. Like people are, you know, for two years, everybody kind of held on. I was like, what are we doing? And trying to figure this out. I find a lot of people aren't waiting anymore. They're starting to move and, and, uh, push back, push in their own direction. Um, starting to create these little communities, these little pockets, these little media corporations, you're starting to see, it. you know, once upon a time there was like, there's like nobody. I just interviewed a guy, uh, Walter Peters. Uh, Wayne Peters, not Walter Peters. And he was the guy that I first stumbled upon. I'm like, how did he know this? And, wh- and now I'm trying to catch up. Except now, where we sit, there's a ton of people talking about it. Yep. You know, there are the Joe Rogans, there are the you know, the, the Russell Brands, the and, Russell Brands, yeah. and there's more and more and more pointing out the stupidity of what's going on. Yep. Now, are we going to go through a stupid year? Oh yeah, yep. this ain't over just yet. Yep. Um, but there's enough of us staring at it going like, this is insane. And this is why this is insane. And, uh, that in itself is a positive because two years ago, believe me, I, I, I talked about this all the time the first, like two months, I wouldn't have been sitting at a table. I was like, yeah. I got a young family. I don't, I don't want to catch mm-hmm. what, you know, I don't even but, know if I can dodge this sucker, but I want to, if I can.
1: I think what I've seen over the last little while is two distinctive groups forming, you know, the ones that are starting to question say, Hey, something doesn't smell right here. And then the other group, they are firmly, you know, wearing two masks in their car by themselves on Highway <laughs> 2 kind of deal. Or walking down the sidewalk wearing masks. And so be it. That's their choice. They, yeah, they can do absolutely. whatever they want. But I'm I'm starting to see the, the two groups. The, the ones that are digging their heels in and the other ones that are becoming the helpers, the healers, the, the ones that are out there for the betterment of society. And I think if we had more of those, we're on the, the right path to get going out of this rut
2: well you you kind of uh put it in different different words the way i like to me when good people talk good things happen and i don't I don't want i don't want chaos i don't want more i just want nope. i just want us to get back communicating too long we've been guided by a narrative that makes zero sense mm-hmm. and uh, i think people are waking up to the fact that the big media corporations are going to a place that none of us want to go right and we it's, can't
1: put our blind faith in that's
2: that. right i'm not saying you can't watch them sure watch them I, yep. you know everything there, with an open ear and there are still good people there just maybe not uh, let's go blind faith that you yeah. know where they're leading us you want to go
0: yeah i guess the thing is too is that now we know that the vaccines the covid 19 injections were never safe or effective uh the hospitals like i've been part of the whistleblowers group with AHS workers and other frontline workers since September of the protest Uh, that night I went to a meeting um, that was invite only for front for uh, first responders and I sat there with um, uh, seven AHS docs about 60 nurses uh, and a bunch of other support workers some firefighters from Edmonton and myself and the things I heard of uh, how they were dealing with COVID-19 in the hospitals and in the nursing homes. I never thought I would ever hear um, stuff like that happening well, in, in what, Canada, I, as I, far I, as treatment goes. What do you,
2: uh, When you say, what sticks out in your mind? I don't know if you're at liberty to say, but I sure. mean, no, what, absolutely. what sticks out that like, you're like, I can't unforget this sentence or this what? doc saying that or what, what have you?
0: I had doctors and nurses testifying. They're in tears that they were forced to give remdesivir to patients who had um, tested positive for a COVID-19 uh, test and basically the test, everybody knows the tests were bad uh, 30% false negatives, 50% false positives uh, the maker of the tests has spoken up publicly that it's not a valid test, right, it doesn't work people were coming in, 28 um, year old girl with uh, asthmatic symptoms and they made her take a test for covid 19 and they would because she had a positive test they put her um told her that they had to induce a coma um put her on a respirator and administer remdesivir
1: that doesn't two, sound like health care
0: two two out of three people that that treatment happened to died and this person was just thought she was dealing with that with an asthma with asthma symptoms um and nurses and doctors and other support workers repeating these testimonies that night um, crying and sobbing and I knew that something had changed in this country Uh, even myself like who I felt always had this feeling in my gut something was wrong I didn't know it was that bad here right so there's um, to say anything other than sinister elements at work. I don't know. I, I don't want to sound like a conspiracy theorist. You don't
2: have to. I'll hop in here and go back to <laughs> yeah. listeners. But go the talk. proof is in the pudding. Yeah, go back and listen to Peter McCullough and uh, Locke. I'm, I'm forgetting his first name, folks. Um, but he's the author of uh, that helped write Peter McCullough's book. Mm. And I kept asking, I'm like, but why? But why? You know, I have to, if I can't understand it or something, I'm going to keep asking questions. And he said, all you got to do is get your mind around that this is criminal and once you realize it's criminal it all makes sense mm-hmm. and th- th- that isn't to put the nurse as criminal that's to mm. put the high high ups that are pushing yep. things there's somebody for pushing profits it from up above and and everything else and i don't you know once again uh, the listeners of this podcast i always get they're they're smarter than probably all three of us combined you know they it's <laughs> li- not they, hard for me <laughs> they, they, and they already know uh to to what it is what you're talking about to me steve is one of those experiences you can't forget. You know, uh, for too long, a lot of us were just in our house and not going and experiencing um, life. And uh, for me, one of the experiences was Ottawa. It had its negative uh, consequences or side effects. But one of the things was seeing it firsthand and experiencing it and then seeing how the news reported it. Mm -hmm. it's something i can never forget even Mm -hmm. if i tried i'd have to be i'd have to literally become a drunken stupor to forget (laughs) that and even then i'd still have to hit the bottle every day to try and forget it because i mean it's just so it's so clear in my mind uh but the people that
1: only get one side of the media story they think that that's that's it so that's right it's easy to just tune into the six o'clock news and that's all they
0: have to do speak more to the criminality of that that event and that night than nurses who were working on the COVID floor went to... It was I believe it was the head of anesthesiology at the Royal Alexander Hospital if I remember correctly, and told him that this is what's going on on the COVID floor. His response was, they can't be doing that. That be, They'd be killing them. They'd be killing the patients by putting them on remdesivir um, while they're on uh, a respirator. Or a ventilator, excuse me. And uh, So he looked into it, went up to the top brass at the hospital as well as uh alberta college of physicians and surgeons he was told by them that he is going to forget about this or they're going to take his license and they're going to sue him they'd end his career so my question is and of course this is me in a a group with about 110 other first responders mostly nurses and doctors and yeah, you can say it's hearsay, but the way that these people were giving testimony there with the emotions and everything, I can't imagine. And they've obviously risked something to be there, and it, it was obviously an invite only um, situation. Um, just hearing those stories, I knew that there's, like you said, something absolutely criminal going on, and that this is more than. Um, about a pandemic or a fake pandemic, this is about a type of information war that we're dealing with here. We're at war. It's uh,
1: shifting our structure, our societal structure.
0: And we're just not clear who the enemy is at this point.
2: You know, you both being first responders, right? I feel like, and maybe I'm wrong on this and you can correct me, uh, we'll give you guys a real interesting view of the last, I mean, when you were working. Mm-hmm because you know for the for most of us i i go back to i was in my house you know, I was, you know i was trying to get the kids out as much as i could out to the farm out to parks you know when you know and at times they had those all not boarded up but you get the point they didn't want anybody on them and you went along with it because you're just kind of like I, I guess i i guess they don't you know like yeah. you know it was a difficult time but you two gentlemen would have had a view that not many, I mean, obviously lots of guys had, but in the course of, you know, in the population, a small, very small percentage.
0: Well, me and Chris both worked on busy trucks. I was
1: downtown through most of the pandemic. Uh, you were in the northeast, were you not, Chris? Yeah, I was uh, the senior hazmat officer um, across most of the shifts uh, for a long time. So I'd been on a hazmat truck for a long time. So that's when I saw the, when our chief, no, he's not my chief anymore. When Steve Dongworth, the fire chief of Calgary, said uh, that we are going to kill people, I thought, well, that doesn't make sense because we're going in with our big blue uh, suits. That you say safe. <laughs> yeah. Our Tyvek suits, our N95s, goggles taped with chem pro tape at our wrists and ankles and the hood's up. So if we're going to kill citizens of Calgary, how? Does that mean that our PPE are His you family? admitting that our ppe doesn't work and it's just a uh, placebo or you know lipstick it's that's where i had a problem no knowing heaven. that if we were taking this seriously and we had to be then yeah we should have been fully encapsulated if we we're going to kill the public
2: and, what, and he said you're going to kill them by going into buildings we could well, kill the, the if when the
0: vaccine it was a coercion technique to get everybody vaccinated, vaccinated. Right. yeah, yeah and just so. to
1: scare people and kind of give that gentle push well i want my firefighters vaccinated because mm-hmm. they could kill me Mm-hmm. Well, that's not the true story.
0: And prior prior to the vaccine rollout, um, when the pandemic had begun, and I think Chris could probably testify to this as well, um, firefighters in Calgary are all medically trained, and we go to medical calls. And since H S has been falling apart, we've been getting there first. Like, I would say we're getting our first 90% of the time before COVID, and now it's 100% of the time, the way things are going with paramedic services. So what is,
2: what's changed? Uh, I mean, obviously, neither of you are working currently, but what changed if, if you, I don't know if you can point to one thing, but, uh, you know, let's say prior to the, the world coming to a halt. You know, you look at that world and what you were dealing with, probably fires and I don't know, whatever else you boys deal with. I'm sure there's a lot that I have no idea. What was the biggest change after everything was locked up that you guys point to like, man, that's kind of weird that happened again? Is, is there any of that? I mean, you talked about the streets being eerily quiet. I think yeah. that, that went across the board but, and most people saw that. But what did fire? What did you see from your career that, or was I there anything?
1: I, I noticed the amount of suicide increases. Um, I think you know almost anybody on any truck could say that you know it it would be kind of an uncommon tour you know a a four-day shift of going without having some type of suicide or drug overdose uh, you know you know purposeful drug overdose so those numbers have never been talked about the the mental health the the suicide rate or anything like that in the city that just skyrocketed the opioid crisis was um a raging fire prior to COVID-19.
0: Um, the downtown was multiple overdoses
1: a day, a shift. Um, are, you, think,
2: are you guys called to those? Yes.
1: That's right, yeah. yeah. Really? Anything oh, yeah. with breathing or heart problems, it, it automatically tags fire department as no a, a response. No kidding. Yeah. yeah. Sure. So and like even said that uh, you know, because AHS is so stretched thin that the guys were showing up and we had the naloxone and things like that. But sometimes these guys that have taken a big hit, they need more than the naloxone we have on our trucks or can give. So then you know, we're waiting for paramedics to show up with you know, an
2: Isn't that injectable. a wild thought? Build up a tolerance.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's quite common that you'd see somebody strung out in the floor and they have a you know, save me kit in the corner of the room. It's yeah, they bring their own kits, yeah. their own Narcan kits. Because it's it's free for them to go get the Narcan kits, but yet somebody that has diabetes they have to pay out of their own pocket. So that's another story.
2: I, I, I hate to go down this rabbit hole no, too far, but okay. But but the um the podcast I was saying once again to Steve before we started. I some days I I have zero clue where it's taking me. Right, it's brought me to you guys, and some days I just I kind of let it go where it wants to. And, it, and once again, it brought me back to Calgary. And I hadn't been to Calgary, you know, over the course of COVID, maybe, I don't know, maybe, maybe once, twice, like, you know, but it wasn't going downtown. And now I've been downtown a handful of times and, uh, the amount of, like, open drug use Mm -hmm. is freaking wild. Like, it is wild. And I don't, I don't know the answer to that problem. Have you guys ever, like, have you deliberated on, like, how the city could help, you know, like, there, there's... There's, there's safe places, right? There's right. The, the safe idea. There's the well, hard... Until
1: we address the mental health crisis that's going on, not just in the city, but our world right now, there's so many people that are hurt, scared, terrified, sad, alone. So the first thing you escape to is your addictions, your alcohols, your drugs, mm. things like that. And when it's easily accessible or habitual, then, yeah, they have to start chasing things harder and longer. Uh, so then you get into your opioid type narcotics rather than just a a bottle of booze and you know a joint or two so it's it's that slippery slope and it just seems like the snowball is going faster and faster down the hill yeah what I was getting to when we were before when we started talking about this
0: was basically that uh, the the, it was the opioid crisis was like a raging fire and what COVID 19 the The lockdowns did was pour a lot of gasoline on it now it's out of control and all of our so-called enabling agendas basically that were to help people to make them feel like they're part of society that's not going to work
2: <laughs> when you mean enabling agendas what do you mean
0: i guess i'm talking about the safe injection safe sites. sites um the publicly funded sites. narcan um putting hanging them in parks and bringing them places i think we're just encouraging people um instead of uh dealing with so issues
2: in calgary you have to i apologize because i i have no idea so i've heard of these because in in um in around me they've talked about it but as far as i know i don't think we have them but they've talked about it because you know i don't think there's a part of the world right now that is it like like chris said uh the the mental health uh crisis the the addictions is widespread Mm -hmm. in calgary you have safe injection sites all over the place or is it just a couple and, and what in, what's included in a safe injection spot so
0: i don't know everything like I, they are moving them um from locations because they're worried about um crime increasing and stuff in the you areas don't say. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: and, and nobody wants a safe injection site in their backyard neighborhood, neighborhood. Yeah, so yeah. yeah they're kind of a, a bounce around thing
0: Last I heard, um, they were moving one to the drop-in center, I believe downtown. Oh, okay. That and makes sense. Um, and from its previous location at the uh, at the hospital there. Yep. Um, at, at, so I think the idea is to keep it in the areas where um, maybe it's most needed or used. But uh, again, in my perspective, I think we're only enabling the problem and not helping people um, deal with their issues so that. They can overcome. You're, their drug you're, bring, you're bringing
2: up something that I know little about, and it's it's almost like you know, there's an opportunity for Sean to go do a couple interviews and mm-hmm. different things surrounding this topic, right? Yeah. Because one of the things uh, I've done certainly poorly in my life is I haven't really paid attention to a lot of the finer details, right? You just yeah. kind of you know as long as it ain't bumped into your life, you know if they want to do that, okay, yeah, yeah, well it ain't hurting me, oh, and they want to do that, okay, it's not hurting me, and then for two years they pretty much tried forcing everything on a person and now you're like well it's it's high time you start paying attention and get yeah. involved and and uh, once again i don't have the answers but at least i'm open to hearing the talk around it and mm-hmm. i think a lot of people are are sitting in that situation yeah. so and you say or it
0: doesn't really affect yourself but the thing is the reality of it is, in every community um we're seeing opioid crisis yeah. right yeah. so it's the, the nicest houses you go into you
1: wouldn't expect it and you it's there. It's
0: in our. It's in our neighbors' houses for sure. Um, their kids, their schools. It's happening, and uh, I think really it's uh, some. We have to look at a society as why is this happening? Why is this so out of control with addictions and problems? Yeah, and
2: try to, and root yeah. out the or get yeah. to the root problem. Well, yeah. it,
1: it breaks my heart. You see, you know the term zombie is kind of offensive, but you see some of these day walkers that just. There's just no spark to their eyes, yeah. nothing. It's just whatever they can do to get through to the next day. And my heart goes out to them because they're at the rock bottom of their life. That's where they need somebody to come and give them a hand or a pat on the shoulder or something to, to help them. Give them a sandwich from McDonald's or whatever. But you know, until those people realize that they're actual human beings and that somebody can actually look them in the eye and say it's going to be okay, Until then, if if people just see them as walking zombies and you cross the street without engaging in them, there's no healing at all for those people. Just getting back to what was going on during the the COVID
0: lockdowns was the the fear mongering through the media. 24-7, we're hearing about the amount of cases and the hospitals were full. We had to do everything to protect our healthcare system that had already burned to the ground, which nobody really knew, right? Mm -hmm. Um, It was broken before. It was broken before, but uh, COVID also lit that fire up too
1: by pouring gasoline on it
2: well it was it was a boat with holes that went into a big storm and i mean it only took one wave and you you started to see oh we're going down a
1: a top-end heavy ship is what it was yeah and i guess
0: my point is is that this affected people in a very negative way most of the calls that we were going to um first of all they were put up on our screen as uh, uh High priority, mm-hmm. uh, elevated risk event, and they would, if there was any chance of a COVID nineteen infection, we'd get there, check check everybody out, don our blue suits, have two people go in, um, do the medical exam, and ninety nine point nine percent of the time, the person was having anxiety attack and thought they had contracted COVID nineteen.
1: Yeah, when you when you hear that you're going to die every day, and how yep. here's how you're going to die, the human mind is an amazing machine that you know every symptom is. Cancer.
2: (laughs) well i I, uh once again uh i don't need to point to any other person other than myself at one point i had a a, a podcast downloaded on my phone that literally told me the daily stats of pretty much the world Mm -hmm. and i just i just checked it you know because i was like oh i'm kind of curious right but what you didn't understand is you're i don't know if it was being addicted or just the the, you talk about the fear just being constantly like i Mm -hmm. sat in an airport what was this like uh i don't know six months ago and i was just sitting there waiting and it was crazy to me there was nobody in the airport it was completely empty but every 30 seconds maybe it's a minute i don't know what the spacing of it is maybe it's two minutes a voice would come over and it go make sure you have your mask pulled up <laughs> over your nose and that you are six feet away at all times thank you that is all <laughs> and it would do that over. And I'm like, man, <laughs> subliminal, man. like not yep. even subliminal messaging, like like ramming it down your throat. And mm-hmm. I look around, the, I'm like, there's not even enough people in this thing <laughs> to be around anyone, yep. right? Like, yep. uh, you know, like, I mean, there's nobody here. And uh, that was, you know, I mean, that was across the board. That was anywhere you went into, mm-hmm. any grocery store, any, you went to your kid's hockey or gymnastics or I can I mean I'm sure that everybody has their own story Mm -hmm. but it it got absolutely rammed into us and it's it's taking time to unwind that
0: and I think there's also probably that group of people you kind of had that horror movie effect who loved the fear from from the whole thing right and didn't actually want it to go away mm-hmm. that small small group but uh. well
2: for for a short stint it gave meaning to life right you know in a world where we live through our screens mm-hmm. and you know I'm being you know it's it's really uh, Put the importance of staying off the screen for me, right? Yeah. Uh, being kind of you know, I go Dial back to out. Ray. Yep. Go back to Ray Ferraro, you know, back when I was doing sports. But he said, "Be where your feet are." And it's like, well, that's a huge importance. But for a lot of people, you know, you kind of just kind of get it. You know, you go your Monday to Friday, you live for the weekend. You know, is this what life is? I guess this is what life is. And then, oh, here's the world event. I always knew we were going to have a world event. And mm-hmm. you kind of yep. ushered it in. Like I knew there was something coming. Yep. I knew. Everybody's had that tickle in their brain. Yeah. Something's. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: And I think the event is actually just unfolding now. We we're worried about um, COVID 19 during the lockdowns and everything, and then the push of the vax rollout. Now we're seeing the effects of what these injections are doing onto our society. And I was just listening to um a podcast from an economist from blackrock big um yeah, yeah i think the biggest financial company in the world they
2: pretty much have their spokes and or fingers and everything yeah yeah
0: and he, he he made from what i understand this one individual made two billion into 14 billion so he was pretty big time but his whole thing was analyzing the numbers and this just came out like a week ago um, i forget the individual's name but he was going just reading the numbers where we're headed The amount of people that are sick now, the amount of people that are off work. And he's looking at data from insurance companies. And um, we're not even at flu season yet. Um, Mm -hmm. When that hits, things are going to change in our society, right? There's going to be a lot of people off with disability because of these injections that were so-called safe and effective. Well, I read Uh, an
1: article the other day that uh, they're trying to push for any meat that goes into our food chain has to be injected with the vaccine <laughs> MRNA
2: I did see so that.
1: even if you don't want to have the shot now our food supply has been taken from us well that's kind of a scary situation this is where,
2: this is where it comes back to building those communities where you you know where you're getting your food from you know yeah. you know I mean there's certain things you maybe don't have control over yep. uh but uh as far as where we're at in this country there's enough people who think like you do who uh, are open to business and I'm from a
1: a north rural farming town in Olds there so this pandemic has called has always been weird to me because in our small town Olds it's just everybody's still going through their life and then I come to work in Calgary you're like oh my god like what's going on like is there an alien invasion because everybody was just terrified then i go home and it was like two separate worlds and it's only an hour in yeah. between.
2: Well, I mean, go to Lloyd Minster, five hours away. Certainly yep. Lloyd had its own, um, dealt with it in their own way, yep. but as I as never old. stopped going to work the entire time. Right. Yep. And for somebody in the city, they might not realize that. Yeah. It's like, no, I, I literally went out to site every single day. There was a, there was a stint of maybe a month or two. I, I want to say May, no, uh, sorry. Uh, April, May of 2020. But from that, uh, the rest of the time onwards, oil fields still worked. How do you yeah. think you're getting, mm-hmm. you know, uh, <laughs> yeah. power and heat mm-hmm. and everything else? People were still working. We yeah. had no choice, mm-hmm. you know, it was a different type of, of frontline worker, if you will. I mean, yeah. I, I don't pat myself yeah. on the back. I just, I had my own purview of what, of what was happening.
1: And the thing that was never addressed during this whole thing is the comorbidities it's all the numbers that make it seem scary and terrifying, but if they'd actually say, yeah, it was a 450-pound male with asthma and he died, or sure, there's going to be always the one-offs where it's a healthy something, or, but everybody has their day. So who are we to say that today isn't my day?
2: Well, and I just go back to Peter McCullough, right? I, I To me, when I listen to, you know, we've gotten so far away uh, of whether... Covid was a real thing or not? When I go back to the first time I interviewed Peter, he's like, "Oh no, people are getting sick," but, yeah. but, we're not doing preventative treatment. And if we did that, and he says 85 percent of people wouldn't have died. Let's just let's just go 35, 50 percent. Let's just mm-hmm. let's just shore that number up a little bit and not go to the high side of it. Let's go to a, a mid to low. I mean, that's a lot of people that would have survived. And mm-hmm. uh, and and now you're not waiting in your house, uh, you know just waiting, right. t- waiting for, am I going to get better or am I going to the hospital? And I, I talked an awful lot. I follow, um, I follow a lot of what uh, Mexico did cause it just shocked me. And then India did it too. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and what they did with the, their little, uh, sites where if you got sick, you just went and you had a little kit and you know, the kit was, was basic things. I know nobody loves hearing the word ivermectin <laughs> and I laugh about that cause I mean, geez, it almost gets you banned at one point in time, mm-hmm. but I mean, it had ivermectin, it had vitamins. And I think it had one other thing. That's what it was. Yep. And, and and did it work hundred percent of the time? No. No.
0: Nope. Hydroxychloroquine, I think, as well, right? Ivermectin vitamin C, vitamin D. It's kinda like yep. the, it uh, was the McCullough tale, McCullough, McCullough protocol, I yeah. think. It's well and and, and, and and McCullough got into yeah. the
2: mouth wa- the nasal spray yeah. and the mouthwash. Mm, the iodine, and I think, yeah. yeah, the different things yeah. like that. And mm-hmm. you know, he's talking eighty five percent. And the thing is is just in Canada. That was never a thing. It never got talked about. It said, don't take ivermectin. It doesn't work. That was the only thing they would say. Yeah. And you're like, well, we aren't, uh, you know, I, it was one of the, the flaws of our, our system is having one spokesperson at the start, or maybe for majority of it, where they wouldn't actually talk to what everybody was trying and doing. And, and you know, mm-hmm. I look at Alberta and I go, we're innovators. We see a problem. We solve it. So if you say the world's coming to an end. Armageddon's happening. There's a meteor coming at us. Just take the movie Armageddon. Mm-hmm. We would assign a group of people to try and bring that sucker out of the way. Like, yeah. that's what we do here. We don't sit in our our, uh, our rooms and, and wait for the end and kiss our ass goodbye. Mm-hmm. We get out and we get going. Yeah. And for, you know, for a chunk of time, we didn't allow that. And I think that shocked a lot of people.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Let's talk, uh, before I let you guys out of here and uh, to enjoy the rest of the day, Uh you're in a legal case yes
0: that's right yeah we're taking the city of calgary to court for the How, violation of our human
1: rights yeah
2: how's that been going is there anything to update people on is there anything you want them to know uh as far as that goes is there anything you can even share
1: it's a long slow process that's for sure
0: yeah we're headed to um court at the end of the month here the city of calgary put a motion in to strike our claim we're Suing for about 38 million over 19 guys that have been negatively affected by the COVID uh, vaccine mandates. Um, and uh, we're also, a bunch of us have also uh, put in labor board complaints, which are being heard, heard by the uh, Alberta Labor Board um, against our union for not representing us. So that's all happening this month. Um, yeah, we also have a website up. Uh, Chris, you want to tell us a little more? Bit, a bit more about that,
1: sure. Yeah, our website is firefightersfortruth.com. We got lots of our podcasts and interviews, uh, videos, and stuff like that up on there. We also have a give, send, go account set up. As we found, we were originally told it's going to be about a hundred thousand dollars to fight this. Well, we're creeping up a hundred and thousand dollars right now, and we haven't even had our day in court so. And this, it's been tough on some families and guys that, you know, unemployed, let go. They're still trying to make their mortgages and pay for groceries and gas, which has gone through the roof. So we just ask people if they have some kindness in their heart to, you know, give or whatever they can find just by going to our website at firefightersfortruth.com. And then there's the link for the give, send, go there.
2: Well, and a good thing with that, too, is if they want to find out more what you're doing or who you're about or everything else, yep. if they go there, they can get the, you know... I, as we all know one interview geez you you kind of get a feel for somebody if you really want to go see what they're all about uh, a website and and seeing everything they've been through and, and talked about is a is a good thing so mm-hmm. if the listener is inclined uh look it up and and take a look and and see see what comes of it
0: yeah today we've been able to self fund it over the 19 of us um we're looking at the cost it's going to be more than anticipated for sure so any if you guys can help us out at all that'd be great i think the thing is is Why we're doing this is not just to seek justice for ourselves, but we're trying to hold the courts accountable to our laws here in Canada. Um, It's very clear of how our our human rights were violated and how we were um, discriminated against and put in a situation that was unnecessary risk by our employer.
1: Our laws have been corrupted.
0: And so if we can win here if we can hold the courts accountable we can ins- we, we can do the same thing for for everyone here in canada right that they can um, have faith in 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 our laws and in in our freedoms um, so the, that's the idea behind the lawsuit is to to hold the judges accountable to the law and hopefully that they'll, they'll uphold them
2: anything else from uh, either one of you that i haven't asked you know i i i i As you can tell, uh, doing it out in a park like this, I'm coming in uh, shooting from the hip, so to speak. (laughs) I kind of enjoy this. uh, That's an easy way to do it. That's right. uh, Throw it out and see what comes. If I haven't touched on anything, I mean, I got all the time in the world for you boys. So if there's something you want to make sure that gets talked about, uh, fire away.
1: It's kind of the nuts and bolts of what we are and who we are. Um, It's hard because, you know, things slip people's minds and, you know, the next event and the next event or whatever. So we just try and stay in front of the the public's eye and their minds and just say hey we're still doing this the world hasn't you know relaxed and we're back to normal you know we're still in it for a fight of our lives and not just us as this firefighter group like each of us as human beings across this world we're in a fight for our lives right now
0: yeah i guess maybe just putting in some light too and chris has mentioned it often in his talks about um post-traumatic stress disorder and um how we were were kind of in in many ways um had that weaponized against us and and manipulated a lot of us because a lot of first responders have dealt with ptsd um i'm lucky i've recovered over years but i saw some symptoms coming back with the covid 19 mandates and whatnot and uh just to see how employers and um particularly our, our own fire department chiefs use these things against us to kind of coerce and manipulate and to get us to do what they need us to, to do and what I feel is happening here is that they're they're turning not just first responders but all of us they're trying to get all of us to be compliant to um, and complacent and complacent um, instead of standing up for our core values as canadians and i think what people what i'm calling and asking everybody to do is to dig down and to pick a side and dig in and really fight back against this because what i think we're up against is 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 going to
1: be well is this this the world we really want
2: yeah jordan peterson i was saying to you you know um listeners know i'm a I keep putting it out in the world because one of my goals of 2022 is to have Jordan Peterson on. And I got my other goal checked off, but that one's still out there. So I'll put it out to the universe another time. Uh, If Jordan Peterson somehow stumbles upon this, would love to have you on. But I was watching his documentary on uh, Amazon Prime uh, last night. And he talks about, you know, they they take a little bit, then they take a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Oh, you didn't like that to come back just a step, but they've already moved on. Anyways, Mm -hmm. and he said all, all he did was he just drew a line and then that's what they didn't like right Right. no we're not going past here
1: yep and that's what they didn't like about us
2: and one of the things my brother and me got in a huge argument this is you know it's it's it'll stand out to me till i'm 90 years old and i get to talk about it right me and him are having words uh both on the same side of this thing (laughs) but still having them words right about like like, maybe maybe we're just insane right maybe we got this wrong Blah 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 back and forth back and he started, and in, in, in the, I said some things I'm not proud of, don't need to utter, apologize the next day. And he laughed at me because we're brothers. Anyways, <laughs> he said, but where's your line, Sean? And I went, now that's a good question. Like, I mean, I right. was hot. And as soon as he said it, I said, well, that's a good question. And I heard Jordan Peterson say it in his documentary, right? All I did was draw a line. I don't want to go past here. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not going past there anymore. And as soon as you do that, well, I mean, you, that's a choice. And then, and then, and that's where all the craziness starts mm-hmm. because I mean, you've drawn, I'm not going past there. Like you've gone too far now yeah. that that's the line. And so I, I think for a lot of us, we've wrestled with that question, mm-hmm. right? Cause Jordan Peterson said it w- way back when, uh, I argued or argued and wrestled with it a year ago. Right. Where's the line? Well, that's a good question. Where is your line? And I think that's a, it's a deep, deep philosophical question that has real world, um, application right like mm-hmm. where's your line figure it out i your line is different than my line is different than chris's line uh is distant different than a lot of the listeners you know so i might be able to be pushed a little farther than most yep. but you should still have a line so when it gets hit warning bells should be going off in your fucking head yep. and you should be like well shit Okay, because if you don't have a line... If you, just you don't
1: stand for something, you'll fall for, for everything. everything.
2: And you just keep getting pushed, and you just keep going, and pretty soon you're getting injected 14 times in yeah. a year, and you're, yeah. Yeah, you know, but I'm fine, I'm fine, <laughs> as you know, you can't... Anyways, I chuckle it, because, I mean, I, it's a tough question to answer. Yeah. And honestly, it's if it's something look at,
1: everybody has to answer for themselves.
2: Absolutely. You should answer it for yourself. And I
1: think that's where we're seeing the two distinctive groups of people that are questioning the thing and saying, where do I stand on this issue? Do I just blindly follow along, or... Okay, there's maybe some brave people that are speaking up. You know, maybe if I sneak in behind their coattails, you know, I can be part of that. So we just need more of those people to stand up.
2: Well, I I think uh, Troy's happening right now myself. Uh, I I just can't figure if I'm the the people standing on the wall watching Achilles come in or if I'm (laughs) the guys on the shore with Achilles. Mm -hmm. But the more people that join the fight, Yep. the better it's, off it's we safer are for
1: the we as a the human war, society war we're, we're in numbers yeah. So, yeah yeah
2: like the, the war is going on one way or another yep. you can either be a part of the you know the, the 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 group that's i don't know landing or protecting whatever you want it to be mm-hmm. but uh, to me that's that's where we are right now
0: yeah 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 and the thing is is looking back on it of how um frontline workers and it hurts me to say it because I, I was one for 20 years, but how we failed everybody during this pandemic from the docs in the hospital, from the nurses, from the firefighters, the police, um, paramedics, the majority of us buckled because we didn't draw that line soon enough, yeah. right? And had we, had there been a thousand firefighters at that protest, this thing would have been over, right? Not 60, right? Had there, had there been, um, a group of cops who showed up and said, no, we're not resting these pastors today. It would have been over, right? All it takes is people to stand up, um, find your courage, and because uh, what are you living for?
2: <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. We can it, live
1: in fear or we can live free.
2: But I would I would argue with you a bit and say, but that that weight should go on everyone's shoulders. Because yeah. we all watched as they did strange things to all of us and and i'm not saying nobody stood up but Mm -hmm. not enough
1: societal complacency
2: yeah and just the amount of um pressure that came with it all and none of us were ready for that now if it happens again i i think i think there's when it happens when it happens sure when it happens again there's enough of us that go well it's coming again Mm -hmm. it's just when and how yeah. You know, because uh, the first time around, I just you know, I, I you know Mike Tyson. He, he said you know everybody's got a plan to get punched in the face. <laughs> I had no plan. I walked in the ring against Mike Tyson. And I got dropped in the first ten seconds, mm-hmm. right? And now you picked yourself back up. You didn't get knocked out, and you get you get to live to see round two or whatever, right? Because mm-hmm. uh, for the first round or maybe first however many rounds you want, I was literally on the ropes yeah, trying to. And I think and I think a lot of people were like that. Now there's been a, a reprieve. If I, I, yeah. I if I may go there, cooler I don't know. heads
1: are starting to come out a little bit.
2: And you go, okay. More well, we felt that you can't you can't go back and say, well, I didn't see this coming, because I mean, now you either do your research and the start listening the and wall. saying, yeah, and start paying attention, or you are actively putting your head in the sand and acting like it ain't coming back around. Yep.
0: Yeah. I guess part of too what we're trying to encourage everybody else to do is to joining the lawsuits in like i've been contacted by captains right across this country right since yeah. we started yeah. this thing and there and there's lots of groups that are planning to do the same thing because they want to hold people accountable to the court of law right but nobody knows how to do it and so we're trying to guide people through that process what we've does, done that's worked so far
2: does, does uh the nurses in is it chicago illinois that won the lawsuit? Does I that help? I can't remember if uh, it was they're, Chicago. They're
0: there was a big win for the nurses in the states. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that was really good. There's been some good uh, I don't know if it
2: tra- I don't know if it translates because it's not. They, Different you know, countries, right? That's right.
1: Yeah, there was a win for Toronto firefighters. But there's a the court of public opinion, so it's, it's weighed in that already. Yeah. Yeah, I, the
0: uh, 25 firefighters in Toronto, from my understanding, got let go because they didn't adhere to the vaccination policy um their union did put in a grievance against the policy at an arbitrator um looked at it and and deemed that it wasn't uh necessary for them to lose their jobs and so they've all been hired back so that's a good win for us here in canada but hopefully we're going to see more and more of the justice unfold as time comes we want to encourage other people to do the same thing because there are people that are responsible for what happened here and if we don't go after them if we don't hold them accountable criminally responsible for what they did I mean who's to say that people can't you know when they think they're in a position of power can just break the law at will yeah, we yeah. got away
1: with it last time so this time we know how to do it better
2: yeah 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 well um, uh, let's end on the final uh, question brought to you by crude master shout out to Heath and Tracy McDonald uh, they've been supporters since the very beginning and I always use Heath's words because they, they seem to just uh, ring in my ears every time and I I, I I don't know if I should start off with this question, but anyways, it doesn't matter. We always end with it. We'll see where it goes. But uh, he said, if you're going to stand behind something, then stand behind it. What's one thing you stand behind?
1: Well, for me, my faith, you know, if God is for us, who can be against us? That's kind of what I live by. But all we can do is just be a better person than we were yesterday. See the hurt in others' eyes, try and help them out. Just be that light in this world that it's desperately needing? I think too many of us have taken advantage of uh, the freedom this country has provided
0: to do what we want to do. And I think if more of us would try to use freedom to do what we should do and looking out for each other, um, that's how we're going to rebuild the future in this country.
2: Well, boys, I've really uh, appreciated you doing this, and uh, thanks for giving me the cool uh, podcasting location. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure the listeners enjoyed a couple, you know, we've had a helicopter, we've had a couple planes, we got birds flying overhead, we got a nice little breeze. It's It's been a nice way to spend an afternoon, and uh, certainly appreciate you, you know, having me out and, and uh, uh, getting to sit and meet both of you. It's uh, best of luck, and I hope... Um, we'll stay in touch because uh, if there's updates and news, things he's got to come down. Even if I can just talk to them, mm-hmm. I think that's uh, for the listener. They, um, I know they'll want to know what's going on with the case and and uh, if it's progressing, if it's been halted. If you know, because I think there's a lot of people that are pulling for not only you but others all across Canada and yeah. and our
1: story is not unique.
2: That is that is correct. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, Sean, thanks for having us
2: and to all your listeners, peace and love. Thanks for having us. Thanks yeah. very much, Sean.